Hello and welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show here at BMP Sports. I'm your host Bobby and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again on a Thursday. I am joined as always by my broadcast partner, Anthony Roan. Tony, how you doing buddy? I'm doing, I'm doing so well. Avert the eyes of your mothers, avoid the gazes from your wives. This episode's all about the chest fro. Yeah, you got that man meat showing. I like it. I like it. <laughs> all right. You said well, bring sexy to the show, okay? And this is all I can think of. <laughs> sure. Okay. That that'll work. Well, we'll go with that. I was looking more along the line. Well, I mean, there's there's cleavage there. All right. We'll go ahead and well, first off, actually, I want to get one thing out of the way. The last several shows. There has been some sad news, and I, I didn't even bring this up with Tony, so he's a little he doesn't know what I'm talking about here. But we've had to start off with sad news for several weeks in a row with the passing of Jay Briscoe and Jerry Jarrett and uh, Jerry Lawler's stroke and all this. So I just wanted to start off real quick with some actually I just before we started uh, recording here, we I saw some good news on uh, Uncle Howdy himself. Uh, Oh, Jesus. I'm pulling a last week where I can't remember names. I literally had his name in my mouth a second ago. But uh, help me out here. You know who I'm talking about now. Are you talking about Bray's brother? Uh, His uncle. Oh, Rotunda. Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, Or, yeah. (laughs) Barry (laughs) Barry Wyndham. Yes. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Our brains are mush, apparently. But I wanted to get some good news out of the way. It's been reported that he's doing better and he's on his way to recovery. He's had some health issues himself uh, the last month, month and a half. We talked about it before. And uh, it's good to hear that he's going to be all right, it seems, and that he's on his way to getting healthier and recovering. So I just wanted to go ahead and start off with that, start off with some good news uh hey. in that respect let's pile it on all right so we'll jay, go ahead go ahead jay briscoe's daughters have just gotten out of the hospital this week as well and they're on track to make a full recovery i did not see that that is fucking awesome absolutely great to hear that as well uh all right we'll go ahead and jump right into it we only got a few topics to talk about tonight as far as main topics First one is uh, we're going to do a rundown of what happened at Elimination Chamber. Uh, Quite a bit here to talk about, so we'll just go ahead and jump in. Uh, Go ahead and take us to this page here, and we'll just run down the card. We'll go ahead and start. What I thought was going to be the uh, semi-main ended up being the first match on the card, the women's uh, elimination Chamber match. The winner would go on to face Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. And of course, as I predicted, you were a little more questioned on it, but I think you predicted it as well. Asuka mm-hmm. with the victory here. 
and then of course we got the great promo with her and Bianca Bella, the great face. I don't know if you saw it on Raw with with Kana Asuka looking like she was about to throw up and then just had the the blue goo coming out of her mouth and Bianca Belair like ew, get away from me kind of look. It was pretty great. A nice little moment on Raw. Uh what do you what did you think of this uh match? What do you think of I mean Asuka was kind of the obvious choice here, wasn't she? Yeah, Kana was absolutely the only choice you go with in this match. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me the fact that they have a wrestler on the roster as good as Asuka is. Like, she has all the potential to be the Roman Reigns of the women's division. And I just feel like they're so hot and cold with her. Hopefully this is leading towards something. Not necessarily a championship went out the gate but a big enough showing at WrestleMania this year where she's going to be that number one spot on Raw underneath the champion. Yeah, she's... Honestly, we we could talk about a whole bunch of different women. I've been hot on Liv. Uh, Rare Ripley's incredible, obviously, and she's on a big thing. Charlotte is maybe the best of all time at this point in the women's division. But... At least you could make that argument, you know, and there are others, Sasha Banks slash Mercedes and and Becky Lynch and all this. But Asuka's sort of consistently been my favorite from the moment she came up from NXT. And, of course, she had the big run in NXT, too. It was, she was just immediately there. She won the first Women's Royal Rumble. She was always in that high position. When Becky Lynch got pregnant, it was, it was Asuka that stepped in. She's never quite been the girl though she's even though she's been champion a number of times and she's always been kind of been put in that spot there's always been and maybe maybe it's just that she doesn't have she doesn't speak english very well or something along those lines maybe they've always been afraid to put her in that spot but she's never been the girl and i think you could do that with her and especially she's got this new look now this sort of old as new look with kana and all this you know, I, I really would like to see them push her to the moon. It'd be nice to have her and Rhea, I think, post post WrestleMania as your women's champions and to really just go run with them. Yeah, I think the issue has been, and I mean it's been documented before. New regime. This is the first time Oscar's gonna get this look with the new regime. Yeah. And let's face it, Vince McMahon has always had a thing about Accents. Sure. Sure. So maybe this time around, Asuka gets the push that she deserves as Connor. Very true there. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to what came next. Bobby Lashley. And this kind of went how I uh, thought, too. There'd be some sort of a schmoz finish, a DQ, or no contest. And that's exactly what we got. Bobby Lashley would defeat Brock Lesnar in a disqualification, but Brock Lesnar would go absolutely ham on him afterwards. You can see the F5 through the table. Uh, Now, there was some interesting stuff here, obviously. Um, Okay, you're still there. For some reason, the Skype logo just popped up on my thing. Okay. Uh, There was... 
some interesting thing here with uh, your boy Bray Wyatt saying he wanted the winner of this match, which kind of threw me for a loop. That was after we recorded on Friday when he said that, and I was like, oh, well, we're obviously going to do some sort of sort of a schmoz because we're going to be leading to Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, right? And when that happened, it was like, oh, what's what's going on here? So now you've got this weird thing going on. I don't know how they're going to play it. Obviously, the Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley story is not done. But you've got a Bray Wyatt in the fold. You've got Omos kind of in the fold as well here. What did you think of what happened at Elimination Chamber? And how do you see this story playing out? What are we going to get at WrestleMania? You know, the most interesting part to me about this match was at the end, they got Brock Lesnar walking back through the back of the arena and he just goes, Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> like that was his literally only response to that whole match. Um, honestly, I, I feel bad for Brock because they're putting him in a position to make almost a thing. And to me personally, he's just another great colleague. Nothing of real interest there with him to me. He's not that bad. <laughs> But I see what you're saying. Yeah, he's no Andre either, though. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he, he's got a look. He's huge. He can he can move in the ring better than, certainly better than Kali is. He's still green as hell. Um, Let's just talk about this real quick, okay? You have Giant Gonzalez. You have Satnam Singh in AEW. Um there's notable ones that I'm absolutely forgetting on because it seems like every five to six years, there's a different over seven foot person that comes into professional wrestling green as hell. Never even watched the sport growing up and they just get the deal based on size alone. Unfortunately, almost is that guy. Well, and, and it's, and I'm just thinking, last year at WrestleMania, what did we have? Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Omos has sort of been in this holding pattern for the last year. Where he's been with MVP and you thought maybe we'd do something with him. But then during the regime change, he's kind of been on the back burner. And now he's starting to appear on TV again. Hey, are we reforming? The Hurt Business with Omos and Bobby Lashley. I mean, I I love Bobby Lashley as a heel. He's a good babyface as well, but he's obviously, he's, he's, he's a big monster. He can be a great heel. And people like cheering for Brock Lesnar, so maybe that's the way you do it. And maybe you have some sort of four-way match. Or, I hate to say tag team match. You don't want Lesnar in a tag team match, do you? But it's hard to put him in a four-way match. When he's supposed to destroy everyone, it, it's just, I don't know. Well, what angle are you going to run where he teams with somebody, too? Right. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, how is he going to team? And that then again, that could be a fun story to tell. It could, could Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt get along? And he, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Not Bray Wyatt. Uncle Howdy? Sh- Shelton Benjamin. Well, he's not in WWE anymore, but... What do you mean Shelton Benjamin's not in WWE anymore? He's, he's reti- he had his last match in WWE a couple of months ago. You don't remember that? 
I didn't know that was his last match. I thought they were celebrating 20 years of him. Yeah, no, that was that was he was done with WWE after that night. Um, Man, that's crazy to me because that would be a hell of a story because they're both Minnesota Gophers. They were on the same wrestling squad. Yeah, they came up through OVW together. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, it's it for whatever reason it seems like they're putting Bray Wyatt in that position in this storyline somehow, and I'm not quite sure how it's going to shake out. But uh, we'll. We'll see over the coming. We still got a while until Mania. We got like what six or seven weeks, so we've got some time here. We'll go ahead and move on to the next match, and that was the match. Uh, and this is the first one I got dead wrong. Edge and Beth Phoenix would defeat Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley, and Bravo WWE for that graphic right there. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the, I'll I'll say I'll, I'll first off I like uh, you know Beth Phoenix's face paint. She's always kind of got that a little bit of that Luna look going on. Whenever she it gets out Luna. there, and I know it was a uh, rem- Bolnacano. Yeah, Bolnacano. That's right. Which, yeah, obviously Bolnacano with the. Uh, the the gear and everything there, of course, and then Rhea Ripley just, I mean, Jesus, what can you say about her, especially from that view? And I need to shut up right now and move on. But uh, I I predicted it would be uh, Rhea Ripley getting the pin vic- pinfall victory over Beth Phoenix. I was wrong. Uh, Edge and Edge and Beth would win here over over Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. And in hindsight. I see why, because you've got Rhea Ripley going on to WrestleMania to, to fight Charlotte Flair. She doesn't necessarily need that big win going into the fight against Charlotte. You've got six or seven weeks. They're fantastic heels. And as much as Dominic needs some work on his mic skills, it's working. This whole, you know, hardened by prison Dominic for his three days there or whatever it was has been absolutely golden TV, despite the fact that he's not very good on the mic. And just the whole mommy thing, and it's been getting heat. It's been great stuff. So she did. they didn't need the win here, because they're going to get their heat no matter what. So what did you think of this match and of the uh, victory by Beth and Edge? So first and foremost, um, this match left one burning question. Uh since Dominic's now a hardened criminal, how did he get through customs? <laughs> right. Just burning questions. <laughs> um, first off, yet again, I was right. I mean, I'm sure by the next pay-per-view going into the preview show, we can have some kind of a uh, scorecard up of how I just keep fucking racking up wins like DJ Khaled over here. Um, but did you see the shatter machine? No. Beth and Edge pulled a shatter machine off. It was beautiful. No, I didn't see that. I missed that. Um, it went exactly the way I thought it should have exactly, um, down to the T. Beth and Edge need that win. Uh, 
maybe at WrestleMania we'll get the conclusion to the uh, Judgment Day gimmick with Edge. I just I don't see Judgment Day as a whole going on after this. The uh, two members, Finn and Damian, are seems like they're kind of losing the momentum with it. It seems like the main focus right now is just Rhea and Dominic. Uh, it, it's hilarious to me that Edge wanted out of the Judgment Day deal when they were trying to make it supernatural. Mm-hmm. And now they're just a purple loving street gang. I mean, it's almost like Saints Row. So, yeah. I, Bull Nakano for the win. Edge for the win. Mm-hmm. Like you said, and I'm going to agree with you, Rhea did not need this heading into Mania season. You got six or seven weeks to build her up as a monster going against Charlotte. This is the match that we all wanted to see at WrestleMania anyways. Yeah, I, I kind of wish a little bit. I mean, Rhea's been a great heel. Charlotte's obviously a fantastic heel. I kind of wish the roles were reversed a little bit and Rhea was the baby face going into it. That being said, this is still... Rhea being heel here is great going into a title match at Mania. And one that I think she'll win. As far as Judgment Day goes, it's been kind of an interesting story because the whole Edge started it, started it, started it. And then, you know, obviously the whole thing with Finn Balor and the turn and Edge just turning right back around because things were going quite right but and then it just seemed like the judgment day was kind of dead for a little bit this whole finn balor incarnation of it and but they really built themselves back up and despite not getting a lot of victories they were continually put in a place where they're hey they're getting heat they're continually getting heat here and then the dominic turn was huge and joining them and i think that was a big turning point when they lost the match, but Dominic turned on Ray, and everyone and the and you just had that image, even though they just lost of the Judgment Day laughing at Ray Mysterio as his son turned on him. That great image uh, was was that at that was at Survivor Series, if I'm not mistaken. That great image just I think that sort of put Judgment Day back, and even though they still weren't getting wins, they didn't need them because they were so good at getting their heat back. Because you got some fantastic talent there, Damian Priest included, and and getting booked well under the new regime, they didn't need the win. They could get their heat every night and go out and get booed to death, and you know, and have whoever was going up against them uh, get cheered to a victory. So I I don't know if they're ready to lose that because they have been that. They have had a spot on the card and a well-deserved one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens to them post-WrestleMania. Obviously, there's still some things to shake out. We think we're getting a, a Ray versus Dominic match, obviously. And I would assume Mommy will be in the corner. And maybe we get Ray Mysterio's wife in the other corner or something along those lines. And we'll see. You might need a an equalizer in the other corner and that'll be one night and of course the other night will be Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte and maybe you get Dominic in that in Mommy's corner maybe not I don't think she needs it but uh 
that could be interesting. The, the one thing is, okay, what's happening with Edge and Finn Balor and Damian Priest at WrestleMania? Uh, you know, that's what's up in the air right now. I guess we could imagine an Edge versus Finn Balor match, and that would be great. And there were rumors of maybe they're talking about a return of the demon as well. Do you see that happening, like a, a heel demon at WrestleMania to fight Edge? I mean, you would like to. Um, especially because one of the most iconic, in my opinion, incarnations of the last rock and roller uh, was a Joker-inspired get-up that Finn did in New Japan. So that purple color scheme just kind of fits with the Judgment Day. There you go. Yeah, that could be interesting. I, I remember that. But I, I just I don't see it, dude. I, I, give me one person who's been shafted harder than Finn Balor's WWE run. Yeah, some of it not his fault. I mean, he he was the first Universal Champion, but he got that darn injury, and he just hasn't been able to fully recover from that as as far as his spot on the card. So I, you'd like to see him get another run with a world championship. Of course, at the same time, there's with so many... And this is the one thing you could say about, okay, maybe we should split the world titles again, even though I am so against it, is there's just so many people on the roster that deserve a run with the title. That, you know, when you do have two titles, at least you can you can do that. You can take a risk with one of them because at least you've got the other that you know can still, you know, main event or do whatever it needs to do at the pay-per-view. So the other can be semi-main or a little bit or open the show or whatever you need it to do and see how that performer does with a world title around their waist. On the other hand, you could also say that dilutes the titles. And that's also my opinion. I want just one belt. But... It's understandable from a Fox and USA standpoint. They want the world title on their show. So, you know, the best way to do that, either you have one world champion who's working so much more than all the other wrestlers, and maybe it should be that way. And I I don't think Cody would be against that. I don't think he's against working both Monday and Friday TV, but and being sort of old-school Ric Flair in that way. But... You know, I got to apologize just in case. Um, Finn Balor or Prince Devitt, Ferg, um, was actually just the rock and roller. Last rock and roller. Freudian slip there was Jay White. (laughs) All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next match. It was for the U.S. Championship in Elimination Chamber. And Austin Theory would retain. I I enjoyed how they made Bronson Reed look kind of strong for a bit, even though uh, he still was put out early. Um, there are things I liked about this match. I wasn't the biggest fan of the finish from the standpoint, excuse me, of Montez Ford. <laughs> He, okay, mm. so you have Montez Ford. He gets injured, right? He, by the way, Montez Ford did great. I thought it was a real injury for a moment when I was watching it. He sold that thing 
fantastically. But then you get to the finish with Logan Paul entering, and you realize the whole Montez Ford injury was just to kind of get the door open, right? And what the injury did was kind of halt the momentum of the entire match. Because now you've got Seth and Austin Theory kind of in the background, but you got Montez Ford there who's injured, and you're kind of focusing on that. And it just sort of stopped everything for a moment. Just to get to a spot where you need the door open, which, let me ask you this, Tony. If if Montez Ford had just been eliminated, what happens to Montez Ford? He he leaves the cage, right? They open the door for him to get out. So what was that spot yeah. needed for anyway? It was kind of, to me, it was kind of dumb. And it, it just stopped the whole momentum of the finish of the match. Well, uh, let me ask you, is Montez Ford on Raw? Uh, I didn't see all of Raw. I saw bits and pieces of it. So I don't... Because I don't think he I don't was. Think he I don't was. recall it. So maybe this is an angle to write him off for a little bit. Uh, it could be. It, it's, this is the way they're going to break up the Street Profits. Still, if, if that was the case, you could have done it earlier, I think. I just... I don't like the way it broke up the flow of the match. Um, otherwise, it was good. I think Austin Theory retaining here was what we all thought would happen. It was either going to be Austin or Seth. And... Obviously, Seth is going on to other things with Logan Paul at WrestleMania. So I think Austin Theory retaining here was the right move. It was a good move. It was, and it keeps him with his heat somehow surviving all these guys. What did you think of the match and of the finish? I thought the match was awesome. I really enjoyed Austin Theory for whatever reason was uh, paying homage to a bunch of wrestlers in the middle of the match, which I thought was super cool. Um, they made Bronson Reed look more like a monster heel than they have in the past with him. So uh, I'd like to apologize for my statements made about him during the last podcast. Uh, I believe I said, and I quote, I know who's not going to win. Right. Uh, so good on WWE for finally making him look like a monster heel. And personally, I loved how they set up Logan Paul. Because here's why. When you have medical staff attending to an injured wrestler inside of the ring, all the focus is on that injured wrestler. Mm. You're not going to be looking for Logan Paul to just come out and buckshot Larry at your ass out of nowhere. Perfect smoke and mirror diversion. Yeah. And secondly, who, who saw that coming? Like, you kind of figured that the comments made by Seth was a work. Oh, yeah. No, I, I knew they were going... I, I knew they were pushing towards a Logan Paul-Seth Rollins WrestleMania. I don't know why I didn't think Logan Paul would have... I guess you just think, oh, it's a cage match, right? No one can get in, which I guess leads to the whole idea of the Montez Ford injury. But, yeah. I do, I do love the idea of... Logan Paul getting involved I, and that buckshot lariat. I think he does it better than Hangman. I think he should, they should come up with a name for it for his version of it. And that should be, if not his finish, because he doesn't really have a finish yet. Then the impulsive lariat, the prime lariat. Yeah. 
fucking Christ. Send me my check, WWE. <laughs> um, but And even still, one of the best parts of the Elimination Chamber match, even though I thought a lot of it was great, was that end image of Logan Paul hanging on the cage, cheering on Austin Theory's victory. Yeah. Like, little things like that, the attention to detail paid. Yeah. Made this one of the better Elimination Chamber matches that we've seen in a long time, in my opinion. And, yeah, just just make Logan Paul that much big of a heel because Austin Theory is so hated that you have Logan Paul there cheering him on. Oh, fuck that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that, you're right. That was a great image, too, and, and, and a great moment. I mean, because think about it. For most of the times when you have a heel attacking a baby face while they're in a match with another hated heel, the attack happens, and then the attacker just disappears. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me, was really cool. Yeah. And, and in this case, maybe maybe because... They had the, the cage, the structure that he was in. He couldn't leave. So that just, and it led to that moment. And maybe they should think about, hey, it, when the bad guy uh, succeeds in his dastardly attack on the baby face, he should stay back and receive the heat for it rather than running off to the back right away. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to... What we all wanted to see that night, what we were all looking forward to, the only match I got to see live because I worked a double that day at the restaurant and got off work, me and my buddy Chris ran over to the bar and on our phones threw this on real quick and it was just getting started. Uh, So thankfully we didn't miss any of this. And I gotta say, what a match. Put on a clinic as far as a heel versus babyface match in the babyface's hometown. This is exactly what you want from your monster heel. You've you've got him. He's just Roman Reigns in control. They didn't even touch each other, I think, for the first five minutes. It was all just crowd reactions and and the looks on their faces. Roman Reigns is like barely bothered by this. It was fantastic stuff. And then once you get into the meat of the match, it was Roman Reigns in control. And then you'd get a hope spot and a little fire from Sami Zayn only to be cut off by Roman again. And you would just get that up and it would build up and build up up to the point where, hey, Sami Zayn's now getting a near fall here. But then another another cut off by Roman. He would be in control again and he would take his time and be very methodical. Absolutely pitch perfect match. Obviously, when we get to the end, we were going to get some sort of thing. I remember being adamant that they should do a dusty finish. I'm now glad on retrospect they didn't do that. But it, I, I remember being feeling a little disappointed at the end. With the way they did things. And I think it was the whole. The way the J-bump happened. And it looked like. I mean they were teasing that he was going to hit Roman with a chair. But Jay never really made a decision there. And it felt like. We should have had some sort of progress with that story. Instead we've got. Where uh, Sami Zayn accidentally. uh, Knocks out Jay. And then we never see Jay again. So. But it, it still worked. Everything still worked. Everything was still extremely hype. 
so it's hard to knock it too much. It just it's just something about it. I, I can't even quite put my finger on it. I think it's I think it's just the fact that we didn't get a whole lot of progress with Jay's side of the story. But everything about it was huge. It was momentous. The match was fantastic. It's hard to knock it too much because everything that they did did work. What did you think about this match? What did you think of the finish? I'm about to sink your battleship. This match was meh. Oh, come on. And here's why. Everything from the stupid two-ref spot, which pissed me off to no other, to WWE doing this one thing that they constantly do where the camera isn't canon. Now, granted, during the tribal of Sami Zayn, that was like the first time in how long they've actually acknowledged that they can actually go back and watch the tape on stuff. Mm-hmm. So if we can go back and watch the tape on stuff like Sammy talking to Kevin Owens or, you know, Ronnie Garvin blowing up like the challenger. Why can we not go back on the film and the referee would be like, Oh, wait, Jimmy Uso came in and interfered. Roman used a chip. No, this match is thrown out. Are you saying you want instant replay in pro wrestling? No, I'm not <laughs> saying that at all. But what I am saying, though, is I want some sort of acknowledgement where, I mean, for the love of God, you have two fucking referees in there. You got a commentary team. Like, somebody yeah. couldn't give the ref the Iggy when he woke back up. Like, hey. Well, and that's always been or the thing. the referee that runs down to the ring after all the illegal shenanigans has happened. To me, that doesn't... Like, you just saw... Yeah, yeah, that doesn't bother me as much because that's always been pro wrestling. The only issue I sort of have with these spots that day is that they're, when the ref's down and you got two refs out there now and they're both down, there's there should be like a, a running clock. Like the heel has to hurry up to do his bad shit. Yeah. And because now you're burying the ref because the ref's just sitting there passed out for 10 full minutes. Like what's going on here? What What happened to the ref? That's, the, that's just modern, especially WWE wrestling. That's just kind of how it is these days. Um, and it's one of those things that, that kind of make me go, eh. But aside from that, it, that doesn't bother me. I, I get what you're saying, but that's just kind of pro wrestling, especially these days. Got wait, Especially in a day and age where you have instant replay in just about every other sport. How come wrestling the most cheated in sport of all time can't can institute some sort of instant replay. Eh, whatever. But you know, if I'm, I'm telling you these referees are created in fluorescent light bulb factories because they are fragile as shit. Now here's the last thing I'm going to say that bugged the living fuck out of me. Jimmy came out when it counted. Jay tried to come out when it counted. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens just sits in the back the entire time watching all this unfold. And then after the match is over, that that's when he decides to come out. Well, I, I think, and I, I saw the meme, and I think you shared it. And I saw that talk online, and I, I kind of understood, oh, but I think the what the promo on Raw sort of, explain that away a bit where where Kevin Owens is like hey I didn't care about you winning I didn't care about that 
I don't care about you. And I liked, which we can get into that a little bit. I love that promo. I love that story bit where Kevin Owens, you know, six weeks ago or whatever said, hey, you and I are not friends anymore. I want nothing to do with you anymore. And oh, hey, now Sammy's a baby face. Let's, let's make up. I like that they didn't just sort of, you know, magically snap their fingers and hey, we're best friends again. I like that there's a progress to this and Kevin Owens was, hey, I didn't do it for you. I did it because you didn't do it for me and my family had to go through that. I like your family. I did it for your family, but I didn't, I want nothing to do with you. I still want nothing to do with you, which again, we've got six or seven weeks to build the story up. You could get to a point where maybe Cody Rhodes has to hook these guys back up, sort of play matchmaker. Hey, you guys were best friends once before, and Cody Cody Rhodes is the guy that can kind of get them to cooperate and work together again, and who knows? Uh, that could be a fun little story right there, because we all want to take down the bloodline, right? So. No. You don't think so? Negative Ghost Rider. All right. You need to quit trying to fancy book these old-school Ring of Honor fan theories that you're going <laughs> no you know honestly at this point we're more inept to see a Sami Zayn Kevin Owens Wrestlemania match than we are to see them as a team and to be honest with you I would be completely happy with that because if you've never seen a Kevin Steen versus El Generico match it, it makes the NXT run look like child's play I'd be down for that but I don't that's there's there's no way that can be where they're headed right now i think i I legitimately think what i said it's going to be cody rhodes getting involved to get these two to play nice with each other and it's going to be they're all going to rally behind cody and it's going to be hey we're all going to take the bloodline down together i've got my match Mm. against roman you guys have your match against the usos and and they can take their time telling that story but Okay, you're six or seven weeks out from WrestleMania. In theory, Cody's only had two weeks more to build this Roman Reigns storyline. Which has been done brilliantly, by the way, with between him and Paul and Heyman. He's never seen he's never seen Roman face to face yet. Yeah. You have six or seven more weeks to build a Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte storyline. Which she's only had one more week because she's only mentioned it one time. And that's when she announced she was going after Charlotte. You have six or seven weeks to build a storyline with Asuka and Bianca Belair. What's to say that in six or seven weeks, you cannot build one of the most highly anticipated rematches between two people that WWE has on the roster, except for maybe a Shinsuke AJ rematch where Shinsuke's whole gimmick isn't hitting people in the nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's doable. Sure. Sure. I just, but on to my positives of the match, because I do have to give out credits where credits are due. You know, who deserved an Emmy in this match. Sami Zayn's wife. Yes. Agreed. Because her crying every time Sammy got closer and closer and closer to a three count made you feel that Sammy was winning that match. 
she was fantastic out there. Absolutely. Because sometimes you see the, the, the family and they'll show the family and they got, they're not very good. They got a little bit of a smirk on their face. They're trying to play along, but not really. They're, they're just, they're just kind of, they're not as upset as they should be at their family member getting beaten. And she was fantastic. Absolutely. And I even saw a little piece that they had produced, I think the night before, where where they were interviewing her basically in her home or whatever about everything that was going on with Sammy and all this stuff. And she was good in that too. It, it, she really sold it. She did fantastic. But also I, I will put over the wrestling as a whole in that match. Um, God, the five minutes beforehand of the crowd just going buttfuck for Sammy Zayn. It, beautiful. You had the whole... Um, which I thought was an awesome combo, the Superman punch and Huluva kick, which just looked amazing. Um, and it's Sami Zayn. Like I've said this on the show before, and I'll say it again. Sami Zayn has a WWE cheat code. He has found a way to make himself the perennial go-to man of WWE and just fly low enough under the radar to not get shit canned when it's time for shit canning wrestlers, but flies just high enough over the radar that when it's time for Sami Zayn to produce, Sami Zayn will produce. Yeah, I agree completely. I was trying to look up to see if Sami's wife, Khadijah, has any pro wrestling experience herself, if maybe they'd met in the business, but it does not look like it. So... I can't find any evidence that she was in the business at any point ever. So, yeah, it was great stuff by her. All right. Uh, We've been on the Elimination Chamber for almost 40 minutes. We're going to go ahead and move over to our next topic here. And that is what also happened Saturday night. Mercedes Monet defeating Kyrie to become the IWGP Women's Champion, the second champion. Uh, uh, after Kyrie uh, inaugurated the title at San Jose's NJPW Battle in the Valley. What did you think of the match? What did you think of uh, Mercedes not only winning, but her tribute to Hanukkah Mora with the entrance and the ring gear? And uh, what did you think of Mercedes winning? The tribute was amazing. Uh, still the dumbest fucking theme song in professional wrestling. Yeah, I agree. Like, I... American American Males is like way, way above that. And that's admittedly like the dopey song you listen to in the gym with your friends. Like, yeah, we're fucking cool, bro. No. And the, the, God, I hate that. I hate the hair. I hate the hair so much. It just looks bizarre to me. The entrance was cool. The tribute was awesome. The match was like a forgettable throwaway Raw women's match to me. And this is the first time I'm going to ever say this and publicly admit it. People suck New Japan's dick because it's New Japan. If Kyrie and Monet had that same match with every spot to a T on Monday Night Raw... 
Meltzer wouldn't even fucking sniff it. I unfortunately didn't get to see the match yet, so I can't speak on the match. I just saw her entrance, and I, I agree. Her music just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I don't. I got no problem with her hair. I liked that hair that she had in the entrance, and that's faded a little bit now, uh, a couple of months later. But I did like the the tribute to Anna Kimura. For those that don't know, uh, Anna Kimura was a stardom wrestler who was found dead in 2020 after some bullying. She was only 22 years old. She was very young, and. So this was a, a very nice, very appropriate tribute for, for Mercedes to do. It was very well received. Love that for sure. Uh, but, you know, I'd heard some good things about the match. You saying that, now I've got to go back and see it and see what I think about it. Was it just a raw match? Obviously, obviously uh, Mercedes and Kyrie have history in WWE together. So you'd think they'd be able to put on a good match together. They know each other a bit, but uh, so I got to go check it out and see see how it was for sure. All right. Granted, just keep in mind, it, it's just my opinion on it. I think with me, when things get overhyped, it clouds my judgment on things. So if I'm wrong on this, feel free to tell well, me. Well, right, and, and that's that's the thing we always got to remember, and and it that that's your opinion. If you love the match. Great. I'm glad you love the match, right? I don't think you're like shitting on anyone that loves the match. Well, I just like to cover my ass sometimes because like I don't want the oh, he still thinks women's matches or bathroom breaks crowd to come after me. All right, Jim Cornette. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Listen, I'm pushing for an evolution too, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, while we're on the subject of uh, New Japan and Battle in the Valley, what did you think of the rest of the card? Uh, the Jay White, uh, Eddie Kingston match, the Okada defending his belt, and of course this image at the end of the show. Uh, what did you think of the card as a whole? So I thought the card as a whole was pretty cool. Um, Actually, okay, let me rephrase that because I was looking at the image and thinking card. This image is actually really cool. The card as a whole wasn't anything special in my opinion. Uh, This could be the bias because of what this match meant. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Jay White versus Eddie Kingston was extremely underrated. Uh. The near falls, uh, there was like a second where you were like, wait, maybe Jay's not losing this after all. But everything just happened so quickly in the match. And then you realize, I, I forget how long this match was, but it wasn't a very long match whatsoever. Uh, and then at the end, you know, you have Eddie Kingston. I don't think... He was filled in on the David Finley run-in. Because like we talked about in our preview show, there's always somebody that takes out the leaving Bullet Club member on their way out. Uh, This time it was David Finley. And I don't think anybody clued in Eddie Kingston to what was happening. uh, Because after the match, Kingston got out of the ring, got down on his knees, like as a sign of respect to the Fallen Warriors in Japan. 
and was literally yelling at the production truck to cut his fucking music off. Right. So Jay could enjoy the time in the ring. And then Jay gets up and he goes to talking out of nowhere, David Finley with the shillelagh to the back. And then David Finley. I mean, it wasn't an MJF promo by any means. It was kind of mid. But, you know, we'll see what happens with that. All right, for sure. We'll see what happens. We'll keep our eye on New Japan Pro Wrestling here at the Buckle Bomb Show. We like to talk about it all, or at least Tony certainly does, and he's dragging me along here. And I'm enjoying it. I, I love I love learning more about New Japan and about you know Ring of Honor history and all this stuff. So I'm I'm enjoying talking about all this and broad- broadening my horizons here. As a guy who knows more about the history of wrestling, he knows more about the present of wrestling and so we've got a good mix here i i love i love learning about new cultures panda express is amazing <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll go ahead and move on to uh the next topic here we got the big announcement that they've been pushing all week on dynamite tony khan's big announcement and there's a lot of speculation but it was kind of surprising once the segment started and it was in the back with Renee rather than in front of the crowd. I'm like, okay, this isn't, you know, what I thought it was. Maybe you'd have a new, you know, a, an announcement for the next forbidden door and you'd bring out Mercedes maybe, or someone like they did with Jay white before last year. And that didn't happen. I think we'll still get there and we can talk about that later on in our quick jabs. But they, he announced uh, a new show that will be airing immediately after Dynamite every Wednesday on TBS starting sometime in March called AEW All Access. Uh, and we'll go to a Variety here who has an article, Variety being a, an entertainment uh, trade. Um, and we'll read a little bit here. AEW Wrestling has set up a new unscripted series at TBS. The announcement was made by AEW CEO, GM, and head of creative Tony Khan on Wednesday's episode of Dynamite. The series is titled AEW All Access and is expected to debut on TBS in March. It will follow some of the company's biggest stars, including Adam Cole, Dr. Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara, Tay Conte, The Young Bucks, Soraya, Wardlow, and Eddie Kingston, along with Khan himself. Each episode will follow them week to week as they seek to remain at the top of the company while also exploring rivalries between them. The show will also detail the lead-up to major AEW events and pay-per-views. So uh, what do you think of this show? It looks like it's what they have in mind. We do know on the entertainment side of things and within the entertainment business, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery has sort of nixed all Turner Network scripted shows they want both tbs and tnt to focus on unscripted reality shows and obviously there's been a lot of talk about does does the current owners that does warner brothers discovery want wrestling on their network do they like aew what are their thoughts there i think this is a big sign a positive sign for aew moving forward hey we're developing new shows with aew if you wanted to get rid of them why would you be developing new shows with them? Obviously, this uh, show also, I think, replaces what Roads to the Top was for them. Obviously, with 
Cody and Brandy no longer in the company, uh, you had to mix it up a little bit. So we've got a new unscripted sort of behind the scenes reality show, AEW All Access, going to be airing on TBS. What do you think of this? I think this is replacing Power Slap with this federal investigation that's about to pop off. <laughs> um, yeah. No, man, this is like I'm putting myself in the situation of would I or would I want to not see this? Adam Cole and Britt Baker, intriguing, sure. Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte. I'm jump dick first into a wood chipper. Uh, the Young Bucks, well, they're going to preach about Jesus the entire episode. Um, Soraya, if Ron, Ronnie Racky's in it, Oof. her boyfriend, Beyonce, uh, that might be interesting. Uh, to say the um, least. <laughs> I've heard a little bit about uh, Wardlow's story, and that intrigues me. Um, Eddie Kingston, that's going to be television gold. I will DVR that and watch it on repeat. Um, the only one that I'm kind of like 50-50 on whether or not I actually want to see is Tony Khan. And the only reason why I'm curious to see the Tony Khan episode is because are they going to show him at 3 a.m. in the morning in Duval at his blow dealer's house? Well, I mean, he's he was just called the snowman by an MMA reporter on Twitter the other week, and we had that whole saga we're not really talking about today, but... Uh... Well, according to Michael Cole, a completely unbiased <laughs> yes. and professional combat sports reporter. Absolutely. Um, uh, go look up the tweets between Tony Khan and Ariel Hawani if you don't know what we're talking about. There's some fun stuff going on there. But, um, yeah, my question here is how kayfabe is this show going to be? Because the the press release, the AW press release, and the write-up here on Variety makes it sound like it's a little more kayfabe. I'll cut back to it here, where they say, you know, it'll follow them week to week as they seek to remain at the top of the company while exploring rivalries. You know, is that is that a in a behind-the-scenes sense, where they're competing to, you know, be in the main event, or is that in a... Hey, we're competing because you know this is kayfabe and this is this is the story we're telling, and they're con- they're finding another way. Or is it going to be a bit of a mix where they're opening the curtain a little bit, but you're still telling it's still an extension of the storytelling that they're telling on screen on Dynamite and Rampage. What do you how do you see the show happening? Is it going to be kayfabe no, I or see not? Chris Jericho backstage with Tony Khan throwing a Kingston under the bus because he doesn't have a professional wrestling body. I want to see the Young Bucks talking all the shit about CM Punk still. I want to see Soraya being like, oh, you saw my sex tape? Bloody well. (laughs) Like, give us the realness. Because we all know at this point that professional wrestling is about as real as our politics in this country. So give it to all of us. Just inundate us with mind-numbing bullshit so we don't have to think about how fucked we all are in the long run in this world. There's a bit here in this article. uh, uh, There's Roads to the Top, it just mentioned. Yeah, Roads to the Top. I feel like, and they're mentioning that uh, Turner Networks will be focusing more on unscripted content. Maybe it wasn't in this article. Maybe it was in the somewhere else. 
they said they've been filming for this for a while already, for nearly a year. So it'd be interesting to note if they have B-roll somewhere of the brawl out. <laughs> Listen, that's the only you'll, reason you'll I'm never you'll never ever see it at all. You'll never ever see it, and this won't. Oh, that's not up to Tony Khan. That's up to Warner Brother Discovery. Sure, but it's within their best interest to make sure AEW still looks good, and they're not going to do anything that makes AEW look bad. They're not going to put some of the more salacious stuff out there. Well, they're just not. What well, the footage makes CM Punk look like a fucking dick? And they bring him back, and hey, he's. I mean, it could be used, or at least pieces of it could be used, if we bring CM Punk back and they're telling a, a CMFTR versus Elite story. Sure, sure. If if there so is you, footage, you don't buy at all. Phil Brooks is a cancer and could have had any way to start that. I I didn't say that. I've said multiple times. I, it could be either way. We've talked about this ad nauseum when it <laughs> happened. Come on now. I've tried to be as as unbiased as possible. Doesn't mean there's not bias there, but I try to be unbiased with it. Uh, of course, CM Punk's my favorite wrestler. Doesn't mean I don't think he can be an asshole. He certainly can. I think that's well proven. Hey, you know, admittedly, the uh, announcement for what this show was was absolutely fucking underwhelming. But that was my first thought as well, though, is let's say maybe, just maybe, in a weird parallel universe that there is some footage of the Brawl Out fight. I'm in. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone would be in. Oh, let's, yeah, let's watch that. It, but unless, I think unless it's furthering a story they're telling on TV, I don't think there's any reason they'd want to show it, uh, either AEW or TBS. So, yeah. Other than you know, obviously it draw big numbers, but I don't it, think it'd be worth it, it if it damages the image of the company. Here's why I'm on board for it. I don't know if I've ever said this on the show or not, but I have one truly guilty pleasure in this world: Total Divas. Hmm. That is one of my favorite television shows of all time. And there were so many, like, cat fights and bitchy comments made between the divas at the time that never transferred over into the product whatsoever. So maybe, just maybe, come on now. Well, Please. and that, but that was also unscripted reality television. We know those fights, to a certain degree, were staged by producers. That's how this, these reality shows work. That being said, Nikki Bella uh, came out today or yesterday and talked about how she thinks Total Divas was the first thing Vince McMahon couldn't control, and that's why the Bellas sort of got, you know, were sort of pushed out of the company a little bit because that came out on Tuesday on a episode of the Sessions. Yes, yes, that's what it was, and. And, you know, she got screamed at because she won a fan vote for uh, for Best Female Wrestler of the Year, for Best Diva of the Year in 2013, and it wasn't supposed to go to her. So she felt like there was some animosity towards her and her sister and some of the other girls for doing things on that show that Vince couldn't control. 
and getting over in certain ways. And by the way, bringing a whole new audience to the show. So you're building an audience, you're getting people over, but it's not who you want to build and get over. So, you know, man, it's, it's if- Kane pushing Zack Ryder off the stage again in the wheelchair. If only, if only Vince McMahon had learned a lesson about trying to rig, shoot product, like maybe if there was a dude in his company ever named Bart Gunn, hmm. he could have learned a lesson from. <laughs> <laughs> Deep cuts of history, kids. Go back and watch Dark Side. Uh, you want to talk about Brawl Out? Brawl for All. Jesus Christ, what a terrible idea that was. Listen, I thought that could have been one of the coolest things ever. They were trying to redo it with Raw Underground to an extent. I mean, there's something there. I mean, hell, we have a pay-per-view version of it every year during WrestleMania weekend. (laughs) All right. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about specifically for All Access, or should we go ahead and jump? And we're already kind of on a quick jab there with the Total Divas thing. So did you want to... Let's just jab it. Let's just get our quick jabs in. All right. uh, Jab me, Daddy. Uh, all right, go ahead and <laughs> oh, you threw me off with that one. All right, what's what's your first quick jab? Okay, my first quick jab is NXT wrestler Cameron Grimes. I know we haven't seen him on television for a while, and that's because he is said to be in limbo right now. Future plans still up in the air. Back in November of 2022, it was reported that Cameron Grimes would be debuting on the WWE main roster. Since then. Cameron Grimes is yet to debut, and that's because they just don't have anything for him. Um, They couldn't put him in the Rumble. They couldn't put him in the Elimination Chamber. Uh, They have nobody for him to feud with, and since he's done on NXT, and they have all their plans for NXT going forward, they can't really send him back to NXT. Uh, So he's just kind of there falling into the abyss, which is an it's got to be a horrible feeling for any wrestler to be in. Well, here's here's where you could maybe get a silver lining. Obviously, we're here within the last six to seven weeks of the build-up to WrestleMania. Your, your storylines, you pretty much know where you're going with everything up through WrestleMania and probably a little bit afterwards. But we also know, and maybe it'll be a little bit different under the new regime. We don't know yet, but... We know they like to do some of these debuts, these NXT debuts on the Raw and even the SmackDown after WrestleMania. So could he, hey, we'll we'll keep you off TV. We don't want to put you in the Rumble, even though that might be a good spot for you. We don't want to put you there because now you're on TV and we got nothing for you. Maybe it's better if we hold off for a little bit, debut, debut you the night after WrestleMania or the week after WrestleMania, and we can start fresh from there and get things going from there creatively. So I, I, I see where you can go, oh, man, what, what what are they doing with me? I'm just sitting at home doing nothing. I want to be on the road. I want to be wrestling. You know, what's going on? Uh, but See, my, my thought process about this is, is you saw the Happy Corbin and JBL angle they did for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That had to be the biggest kick in the dick to Cameron Grimes of all time because that was literally Cameron Grimes' gimmick. Gotcha. 
Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's it. If you have JBL who, if he wanted to be a full-time manager, but this whole thing with Baron Corbin just wasn't working. Baron Corbin's a great heel on his own. He didn't really need the mouthpiece. Maybe at post-WrestleMania, you have JBL come out again and come out with, with Cameron Grimes. Maybe you could do something like that. So, we'll see. Uh... I can certainly see why they wouldn't have anything for him right now. It's just too tightly packed with WrestleMania coming up. But afterwards, if if there's still nothing for him, now we've really got an issue, I think. All right, what you got next? Eddie Kingston seems to be the cheat code to the GCW ban for AEW. Do you remember a couple months ago we talked about Tony Khan cutting ties with Game Changer Wrestling? Yes. Saying that none of his wrestlers can now perform for GCW, which led to the speculation that maybe there was legit a partnership between WWE and GCW. Still not ready to let that die. Um, Well, Eddie Kingston, of all people, found a loophole because over WrestleMania weekend, Eddie Kingston will be tag teaming with one of his idols, Jun Akiyama in a dramatic dream tag match against Dasuke Sasaki and Cannon Cannon uh, for DDT Pro Wrestling out of Japan. Um, and for you guys don't know why that's significant with GCW, it's because GCW is allowing DDT to run at their venue and use all their equipment to hold shows for the first time in America in a very long time. And AEW has a relationship with DDT as well, which is why... Uh, Eddie Kingston is allowed to be there for sure and wrestle for them. I thought, I didn't think it was DDT they had the relationship with. I thought that deteriorated like during COVID. Uh, I thought I remember us talking about it on the show. We'll have to look that up later. Yeah, the trios, because they had the trio that came in originally when AEW first started, Mm -hmm. and it was the deal with uh, DDT they had. And then uh, during COVID and people not being able to come, they feel like they were disrespected. And I'm pretty sure that's how that all went to shit. Gotcha. Could be wrong. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to talk about there with GCW. I'm not the biggest fan of that promotion, but do each his own. Um, <laughs> uh, I got one here I wanted to talk about. I know uh, Melcher on The Observer talked about how morale not backstage among the boys and girls the wrestlers in the locker room but in stanford in the office and at the studio in wwe hasn't been great it's kind of regressed a little bit now that vince mcmahon's back in charge and there's a sale of the company and it's they the quote was i think that it's it's starting this is starting to feel like they're on pins and needles again like they were when Vince was in charge before, where they don't know about their job security, what's going to happen here. Because of the sale, mostly, more th- more so than Vince being back, it's just the sale itself. You know, people don't know what's going to happen with their jobs. So morale's kind of gone back down, and also with Stephanie gone was a big part of this, apparently. Just Stephanie was very well loved, not just by the wrestlers, but by the employees and by the staff at in Connecticut, in Stamford. Uh, so apparently within the office, morale is low right now among the employees and executives. Uh, any, any thoughts about that? 
No shit. I mean, yeah. Everybody's so shocked that the rumors coming out that Vince is now back in charge of creative. And I could have told you, you gave that dude an inch, he was going to take a mile. I, I don't think he is. That's, uh, that's been denied and denied and denied. Um, I think he's, I think Triple H is pretty much telling the truth. Like he's saying, hey, Vince, Vince will give his idea and I will listen to his idea. This is his company for, you know, 40 years and his father's company before that. And I mean, if he's going to give an idea, I'm definitely going to listen. But at the end of the day, the decision is mine to go forward with whatever we go forward with. And I think that message is getting across to the locker room because the locker room, their morale is still high. So what we're talking about here has nothing to do with the wrestlers themselves. Their morale is still high, and that's fantastic news, I think. And I think it's also, we can tell by the way there haven't been you know, late last minute rewrites to Raw just before they're going on air. They've been more efficient with their time and getting scripts and or formats or whatever you want to call them for their TV shows done. Uh, they're well prepared ahead of time. The shows are fairly tight now. There's not a whole lot of, you can tell, oh, oh man, watching this Raw, we could tell Vince McMahon had some last minute shit he wanted to take out and put back in because it was a mess. We're not getting that. So obviously he's not in control of creative. He might be getting his ideas in here and there. But uh, I think I think it's pretty clear he's not in control. All right. Uh, you got another one? I do. But beforehand, I'd like to apologize if at any point in time you were talking and it looked like my eyes just popped out of my head. Because as I go to the website that I have a quote for the next story on, I see a video, I see a uh, tab off to the side that says video CM Punk's backstage altercation with the elite. <laughs> and I was like, no way. <laughs> and then I kept reading and it said in the style of South Park. Oh boy. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. <laughs> but for the next quick jab, um, we were all excited to see Pat McAfee come back during the Royal Rumble this year. I mean, granted, he almost unalived Kofi Kingston because of his excessive need to jump on a chair, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Pat just released a statement saying the future of Pat McAfee show live has had been has been a lot of fun to think about. Going through all the numbers, facts are facts. We've really been quite a fucking disruptor in this whole daily sports media world. I'm very proud of it. We don't have producers giving us takes or researchers telling us what to talk about. We don't have any investors. We don't have a lead in audience or people leaving their TVs on overnight. We, alongside our incredible fan base, built this thing both literally and figuratively. We decided what to chat about. We paid for the footage rights we negotiate the deals with our partners and we change the game that's rather epic what's next though a lot of fun to think about show will always be free but we need to keep evolving baby girl on the way what's that mean for my future with wwe i love it but they're allegedly going to be sold who's buying them do i want to work make money for those people how about college game day 
that was a good time. No long-term deal in place, but I enjoyed the workload that came with being a part of one of the most iconic shows in the history of sports. Uh, so it sounds like Pat McAfee, the only thing that's certain is the continuation of the Pat McAfee show. Bobby, what are your thoughts if we never hear Pat McAfee's voice on SmackDown again? Well, that would be incredibly disappointing, obviously. Uh, one thing, I, I think one of the reasons why Pat McAfee is so beloved in multiple worlds, not just wrestling, but in the sports world, in YouTube, and all that, is, is how honest he is with his audience. And he's very transparent. And this time of year, every year after the Super Bowl, he usually takes a little bit of a break. He's usually, he's always got something going on. And so he'll, he'll, he'll say what he can, what his thoughts for the future could be. But hey, the show's always going to be free. It's always going to be on YouTube, no matter what. We're always going to be doing our thing. We're not going to be tied down to what, to, to, to a point where someone else has to tell us what to do. And the show is his baby and it's his priority. And that's how he wants it. The other things he does around it can be whatever it is. But if the show is growing to the point where maybe he can't go fly to Friday nights, or as he said, you know, it, could the company be getting sold? What could that mean for me? You know, will the new regime want me? Will I want to work with them? You know, we don't know. I, I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, he's got a great relationship with Vince. We know that he's got a great relationship with Paul Levesque and a lot of the other people there in the front office. They all love him. He loves them, I think. So if those, even under a new regime, a new ownership, if a lot of those people are still in place, I think it's a pretty safe bet they'll want Pat back. But at the same time, it's always going to be sort of a part-time gig for him. He's never going to be full-time commentator for SmackDown because he's always got to go do football stuff in in the fall. So he's he's absolutely reinvigorated Michael Cole. Michael Cole is so much better because of him. And hell at the Royal Rumble just having him there with Cole and he made uh Corey Graves better and Corey Graves I like I know a lot of people don't like him I like him but he, he just up to his game to another level so you always want to Pat McAfee if you can get him but obviously Pat's priority is his show on YouTube the Pat McAfee show everything around that is secondary to him as much as he loves doing it and I think he's and we all know he loves the work he Pat McAfee obviously working very hard doing always multiple hands and multiple pies so I'd love to see him back I think WWE would love to have him back as much as possible. It's just a matter of can he manage to do it while doing all these other things and how much the, his show is growing. So. I think what it is for him mostly is, you know, you got to stick to your, uh, your morals. You got to stick to what you feel is right. And, you know, I can't lie. Even though working for WWE would be one of my dreams come true, you, you got to take in consideration. You know, there was a rumor going around that your boss was going to be the royal Saudi family. I mean, let, let's face it; that's not exactly the greatest track record of of an employer. 
it just absolutely blows my mind that, you know, there's a chance, like a small iota chance that we'll never see Pat McAfee in commentary again. And it does a big disservice because literally when Michael Cole goes on the Pat McAfee show and he has Michael Cole being able to be a version of Michael Cole that us normal fans don't get to see on a day-to-day basis, that's a huge benefactor to have on your payroll. Absolutely. When you're making people better at commentary, when you have an incredible match with Adam Cole, when you have an incredible match with Baron Corbin, just Pat McAfee is that guy. And hopefully things pan out, but my God, just, you know, thinking about that statement has me feeling crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's always going to have a place in WWE again. Uh, but obviously, the less he's going to be there, the worse it is for all of us. But, and and you're right. Like, bringing on a Michael Cole, who we've never really gotten to know outside of his commentary role in WWE, and just sort of seeing the real Michael Cole in an interview with someone who he's become a friend with and Pat McAfee, and just that humanizing element has been so great because now we all kind of like Michael Cole and we used to hate we used to despise Michael Cole and now it's kind of this thing oh you know what he's he's good he's not that bad and he's got to deal with a lot of shit and now of course especially with Vince McMahon not in his ear it's that much better so having that even even if he's not in WWE every week just having that there and the huge audience that Pat McAfee has. And being able to, hey, I'm going to send someone there. We know Pat McAfee, even if he's not doing something at Mania, and it's almost certain he's going to, right? He's going to have some sort of appearance on the show, I would imagine, even if it's not a commentary over two nights. Yeah, he might be on the pre-show panel, possibly. In shorts again? Uh, Russell May- Hopefully, <laughs> bring it back full circle. Uh, there's also the possibility that he could be the Grand Marshal of WrestleMania. They've been doing that shit lately, too. Well, I mean, you could certainly throw him in some sort of match. I mean, he's he he's there might not be that many people more over than him within WWE right now. And let's be honest. So if they can get him on the card in some way, I think they'd love that. Um, if they can't pull that, obviously you can do commentary, pre-shows, all that stuff with him. I'm sure he'd love to do it. And I would imagine the Pat McAfee show, like they did last year in Dallas, that whole week they were broadcasting from AT&T Stadium. And I would imagine they'd do the same thing here again this year in L.A. at uh, SoFi. So, which is a go- Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. So now you're telling me because Pat McAfee's involved that six to seven weeks is enough time to start a story for somebody. But between two professional wrestlers that have an amazing storied history and rivalry against one another, it's not enough time. Well, I'm not saying that. Of course it's enough time, but I I think you're at this point you're gonna go if you've already been telling a story that's that hot. You're going to keep that going in the WrestleMania rather than trying to pivot to something else. 
I think that would be a mistake. You could do it. You could make it work. Don't get me wrong. But why try to make something else work when you've already got something that is working? In this case, Pat McAfee, it doesn't matter what he's doing. You could throw him in a match the Friday before on SmackDown. It's Pat McAfee. It's going to work. He's going to get over. He's, he is over. And you could throw him in a match against Corey Graves the night before, and it'll, it, it'll be a big part of WrestleMania. So Let me ask you something. Why in the feud between Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio end at WrestleMania? Why did it have to go through SummerSlam? There are all kinds of reasons for that. You want it certainly could have been a WrestleMania level feud, but you need great feuds in the summer too. They were tag team champions together at the time of the match, and they decided to have a match to see who was better. And then they jumped right back into the storyline after that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember enough about the story as great as it was at that time to really give you a complete answer. But, you know, not every great rivalry is going to end at WrestleMania and not every great story is going to end at WrestleMania. But not every great rivalry is going to end in greatness either because it's all ended up ending in the custody of Dominic Mysterio. Right, exactly. Which I'm still not sure that Eddie Guerrero's story was 100% wrong. All right, that all being said, Pat McAfee, no matter what he does in WWE, it's going to work. Let's, I think we can both agree with that. He'll, he'll get cheered, he'll be super over, and he just makes everyone around him better. So the more we can get him in WWE, the better, the, the better it'll be, period. So, all right, anything else you got for a quick jab? Nope, that'll be it. All right. I got one bit of news I want to say. I touched on it briefly at the end last week. Uh, the show, the full show, is going to be moving to its own channel. I will be starting by the time this video goes live. There will be that channel will be up and live. It'll be youtube.com slash at TBBS. I will have a link for you down in the description. You can just click the link and click subscribe there. We'll still be uploading new shows here to BMP Sports for the next few weeks. Probably uh, a couple of weeks before WrestleMania will be the first show on there. But go ahead and subscribe to that channel now. I'll, I'll, and I'll have some sort of uh, trailer put up on that video eventually. Clipouts will still be here on BMP Sports no matter what. So just if you're subscribed here, you'll still see us. You'll still see some of the other stuff we have plans for but can never seem to get around to filming. But uh, the full show, the full podcast, video version of the podcast will be at youtube.com slash at TBBS, TBBS, uh, The Buckle Bomb Show. So it'll be its own separate channel for the full length show. So be on the lookout for that. Go subscribe there so you don't miss anything with me and Tony talking wrestling every week here at The Buckle Bomb Show. Tony, it's a pleasure as always, man. Love you, buddy. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.